tired. So tired. Overtired. Welcome back to Overtired. Uh, I'm Christina, and uh, I'm here with Brett. How are you, Brett? You're you're way better at intros than I am. <laughs> I like I, I start the intro and then I just blank because I'm used to doing the like systematic intro where it's just me. And then right. I'm like, oh, I have to incorporate another person into this. And then it comes out all awkward and weird. And we just keep it. Like, I could go back and re-record that. But I feel like yeah. this show is all about the rawness. It is. I Honestly, I think that people, the our, our loyal listeners who've been listening to our, like, although we've actually been, like, on a very good schedule uh, but and very consistent, but... Our listeners who have followed us through the last six years of um, sporadic recordings, <laughs> they, I, I feel like they would be bothered if it were too edited and too professional. Well, we have I, other podcasts for that. I'll be honest. like There are times that we say things that are so wrong or so <laughs> offensive that I do edit. Like, yeah. And I'm sure neither of us goes back and listens to the show, no. so you've probably never noticed the things that I've decided were not for public consumption. Um, but now that we're recording, uh, this is Tuesday morning. We'll be publishing Wednesday at noon, so I don't really have time anymore. So whatever happens here happens. Shit. But okay. we are we are recording in the morning because we decided maybe we're actually morning people, and, uh, and let's see what happens. Yeah, no, I mean, here's what I'm discovering. So we were recording these on Saturdays, and that was going okay. That was going better than I thought it would, to be totally honest. I think I only flaked out like twice, and uh, and we had to reschedule. And I sleep most weekends, so that was actually pretty good. But what I found when we've had to record earlier for our schedules for whatever purposes, if I have to wake up at 5.30, and I hate waking up early – uh, but if I wake up, you know, around 5.30, 6 o'clock so that I can be ready to record this because we record this at 7 my time. I am – I come to the show. I'm, like, full of ideas. I'm ready to go. My tweets on Twitter are really good. Like, when I wake up, I'm like, I should be a, I should be a morning person. But I'm not a morning person. Yet it's so much more beneficial. I get so much out of it when I actually wake up early. But, yeah, no. <laughs> I I I don't know. I I like to stay up all night, but it happens more often when I'm manic and uh but the hours between like uh maybe 2 and 5 are definitely my most productive. If I get up if I sleep well and then get up at say 4:30 or 5, I I need like 2 hours to actually um, be social. Yeah. Like, I'm good if I get right to work. I can send tweets and everything. But if you try to talk to me until I've had like an hour to just kind of sit with the news or whatever I decide to occupy my morning with, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not on the ball. It takes me like 30 seconds to respond to anybody who actually says words to me in the morning. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. And so that's, I think, why, like, if I can wake up and kind of get my bearings and tweet about video game nostalgia and other bullshit <laughs> and kind of, you know, catch up on on the news and whatever terrible things are happening in the world, then it's like I'm I'm better. And I'm like, OK, I'm I'm ready to go. But I'm I'm also like you, other than the manic part, that I really do love 
staying up late. Like that's kind of the genesis of this show, to be totally honest, right? Like it's <laughs> right. overtired. That's sort of our brand. But I I am recognizing, and I've I've noticed this before, but it's really just becoming clear to me that I think I'd be more productive, I'd be healthier, I'd probably be happier if I was able to shift my body clock so that I actually was up early every day. But yeah. in a perfect world, I would, you know, probably sleep from, I don't know, 6 a.m. to <laughs> 11 or 12, you know? <laughs> yeah. I uh, maybe, maybe 6 to 1, I don't know. My, like Because I don't have a day job and haven't for years, um, I kind of, even when I did, I was a remote worker and had a bit of a flexible schedule. Um, right. I've always just let my body decide when to sleep. And my sleep schedule shifts very regularly. Right now, if left to my own devices, I sleep until like eight in the morning, which is unheard of for me in my life. Usually my body clock gets me up around six and something, something shifted. Now I'm I'm actually sleeping uh, like from 9 p.m. till 8 a.m. So I'm getting like 11 hours of sleep. Yeah, which I think that's the COVID. I, need. <laughs> I mean, I, either you need it or it becomes too much. I don't know. Like we were talking last week about how we all have vitamin D deficiencies. Yeah. And I feel like that's probably part of it. And I also feel like the lack of social interaction and just being around people in general, as well as just like the fear and trauma happening has impacted all of us because I also find myself sleeping more, which is, I think at first it was a good thing. And then I'm like, oh no, this actually isn't, I don't, I don't need this. So yeah, I, I am definitely like, if I sleep 11 hours, then I'm tired all day. Exactly. That's the thing. Like there's like a, there's like a balance. It's kind of like, I know you don't drink anymore. I don't know if you remember this because it's been a really long time since you drank, but there's this <laughs> it's been thing a year. Where, Let's be honest. It's been a year. It's been a year. Okay. Okay, so, and I don't even know, we might have talked about this on the pod before, but there's this thing where you get really drunk and you kind of pass out from exhaustion and then you wake up like three hours later because you got to go to work or you got to go to class or you have to give a presentation in a foreign country, whatever the case may be. I'm not speaking from experience of any of these things, she says. Um, and you wake up and you just feel like completely like, those three hours were like hardcore sleep. And you're like, man, as long as I'm still not drunk when I wake up, which sometimes is the case, I could, I feel like I can take on the world, you know? Yeah. Well, alcohol metabolizes to sugar as you, uh, as you sober up. So you get this, um, uh, very, uh, sugar, sugar driven awakeness, which happens even oh. if you don't have, even if you don't have to get up, if you pass out drunk, you will usually wake up three to four hours later uh, feeling quite aware, uh, sometimes with a headache, but often often after just three to four hours, you're still a little bit drunk, too. You still have alcohol in your in your system, so it, it curbs the immediate withdrawal symptoms that you get after a, a heavy night of drinking. Makes sense. See, Makes if, sense. if you study alcoholism long enough, <laughs> you get really good at it. Uh, <laughs> so we promised uh, we promised to talk about this crazy command line utility called NB. Yes. Which I am pretty sure stands for like Nota Bene, the like when in uh, like news articles or 
our uh, academic articles, they put NB and then a note means like note well. But they don't actually say that anywhere on the page. So I'm just making an assumption there. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I found this. I think that I saw it on on Hacker News, to be totally candid, and which is where I find some cool projects, to sure. be honest. Like I, the, the, the site is actually really, really good as a repository for that. The comments, whatever. I got into a whole thing yesterday with some people because, okay, you know um, YouTube-DL? Um, yeah. The utility? Okay. Yep. Well, GitHub received a DMCA takedown notice from kind the of. RIAA. It was a DMCA well, on the surface, but yes. Yes. I mean, it, it, it was about, it wasn't maybe issued correctly or whatever, but but the, 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 the TLDR for, you know, listeners who don't want to get into the nitty gritty of how that whole thing happened was that the, the repository has been taken down, down at least for the time being. And, um, and frankly, like, I love the project, but I was also kind of like, you idiots, you, you put the links and the stuff in the test file. And I realized you needed this to be there, but could you not have stored the test file someplace else? (laughs) Like seriously, like this, this, this just, because honestly, this does ruin a lot of the arguments for all the reasons why it could be used for non-infringing purposes, Sure, Uh, which there are many. However, as I said, like on Hacker News, I was like, okay, I get that there are non-infringing use cases. We can all do that. It's a really important tool. Having said all that, it seems really disingenuous to me for everybody to be claiming, oh, I've only used this to download things that I already own or that are in the public domain or that are, you know, um, you know, creative, creative commons, commons license. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you're fucking liars. No, we all use this to infringe on copyright. We might not be distributing it. I might personally think that the laws around that stuff are completely bogus and messed up. I might think that the terms of service are complete bullshit, but I know what I'm doing and I'm not distributing it, but I'm like, I'm using this to download content that in many cases explicitly is not meant for me to download, in many cases is not owned by the uploader, and in many cases like would not, uh, you know, the, the creator wouldn't be comfortable making it available to download and that the service like doesn't allow you to download easily. If they wanted you to do it, they would. So I just made this comment being like, can we all just pretend, stop pretending like we don't use this program called YouTube DL to download YouTube videos? Like, can we just like <laughs> get rid of that? And of course, everybody in the comments is like, well, no, actually, I do only use it for these purposes, and I live in this country, so I'm not beholden to these rules. I'm like, actually, you kind of are. Like that, that doesn't really mean that you're still not infringing just because you live in Russia or wherever. Like, it's still a, a, a U.S. company that it's that the stuff is being hosted on, and you're accessing content from a U.S. website. So, like, I'm not saying any, and like nobody's gonna get arrested for any of this anyway. Like, at most, you'd be fine, and you'd be fine for distribution uh not for for simply downloading they're not going to go after anybody they just want to you know try to make this harder to get off the internet but anyway that's my hacker news tangent the comments are terrible but i find really good projects so as an as an aside as an aside to that tangent as a tangent on that tangent there's an app and uh it's in setup called downy Downy? i love downy downy is quite good for uh we'll say gathering video content um from just about any it, it, it's it's a really good mac gui on top of youtube dl is yeah. basically what it is um and th- there are a couple of other like programs that try to do that downy is probably the best that i've seen 
and I don't know if he exclusively uses YouTube DL. I think he does, um, or if he adds his own stuff to it. But it's a really, really good app. What I like about that one too is that it has like a a a, a, a web browser kind of built mm-hmm. in. If you need to use like do like a Selenium style yep. kind of like scraping thing for different sites, yeah, Downey's yeah. good stuff. Do you think do you think the YouTube DL takedown will affect Downey? Um, yes. Uh, if if they if updates. Okay, it will in the insofar as it depends on if the YouTube DL dev team, like the contributors, if they can find another place to either collaborate privately or on a service that is not hosted in the United States. Like some people have like mentioned GitT, which I believe is Chinese and mm-hmm. um, some other uh, services. Then as long as the binary can be, you yeah. know, like found it. I think Downey would be fine. The issue is, is the reason that YouTube DL is updated frequently is that YouTube changes how yeah. stuff works, and that's what they have to adjust for. So if there are no updates to YouTube DL, then yeah, I do think Downey will be impacted. Unless Sam, I believe that's the guy's name, unless he has been doing his own work and contributions and understands the intricacies enough that he could patch. I kind of doubt that. Um, but... I, I don't know. My, my thought, though, is that this is going to be one of those situations like we've seen with other, you know, uh, uh, tools that are designed for valid reasons. And frankly, even if it's invalid, I'm still in favor of it where it's going to be a, a game of whack-a-mole to try to get it off the Internet. But as long as the people who are the core contributors aren't scared off of contributing. Yeah. I, I, this isn't, I mean, Git is, is just, you know, by, by nature, it's, it's, um, you know, decentralized and distributed. And yeah. so it can move to someplace else. Like they've already updated their website to have the binaries be directly available to download. Um, but obviously any of the issues and the documentation and all that stuff is gone. But, um, yeah, I, and, and who knows, maybe, Maybe they'll fight the, the the takedown notice. I'm not really sure, but well, based on yeah. uh, some of the lawyer and and paralegal input on on uh, Twitter, I think they have a case for uh, making an appeal to this. But I think I think they do. My fear, though, genuinely, is it it it's the fact that they had the infringing URLs yeah. in the test suite. Like that's the thing that's going to be almost impossible to overcome and that is a thing that has successfully gotten like sites and companies and other stuff shut down before because it shows any sort of lack of faith like you could make these kind of tenuous kind of arguments otherwise when it's in the test file sure. that's in that repo that's really tough yeah uh that said even if github doesn't host it and doesn't want to be like look we don't want to take on this liability we don't care and and gitlab would be the same way and like GitLab is basically owned by Google. Uh, I, I I love that people try to pretend like they're independent. It's like, uh, no, Google gave them a shitload of money and hosts all their infrastructure. Uh, so that hardly seems like Google would would want, you know, to host this thing that circumvents um, one of their their products. Uh, but but GitLab also has a has basically the identical DMCA uh, process as, as GitHub, but. They could self-host it on either a self-hosted Git, um, GitLab instance or another thing somewhere. Um, and yeah, again, like as long as the core developers aren't afraid of 
people going after them. And I don't actually think there would be anything that they could be charged with or, right. or whatever. Then I think it's just a game of whack-a-mole. But we, we'll wait and see. But sorry, that was that was a yeah, long tangent. No, because I, I, f- I extended it. That was partly my fault. No, no, no. But 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 uh, uh, although I'm glad we talked about this because I did actually want to mention the the YouTube DL thing. Um, yeah. So in B, when I saw this, uh, I was like, "Holy shit! Did Brett make this? Because it looked so much like something that you would make." Here's here's the summary. NB is a, a command line note taking, bookmarking, archiving, and knowledge base application with plain text data storage, encryption, filtering and search, Git backed versioning and syncing, Pandoc backed conversion, global and local notebooks, <clears throat> excuse me, customizable color themes, extensibility through plugins and more, all in a single portable user friendly script. And as I mentioned previously, the whole thing's a bash script, which it's is insane bash to script. me. It's amazing. It's so good. Like it's it's and it's 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 really really nice, and it has like you know command line support for Visual Studio Code and and Vim and Emacs and and TextMate and MacDown and a bunch of other things. Um, well, uh, and it, you, it, it hooks a bunch of well-known command line utilities. Uh, yeah. Uh, to to do what it does. But it brings them together in a way that actually makes a really complete uh, kind of note-taking and bookmarking system. And it can yeah. work with – you can put, like, MP3 files into your notebook, and it will use an appropriate player to preview and, uh, and, and search them by file name and everything. So it's really – it's Evernote for the command line. Yeah, exactly. What what it kind of made me think about, and I've never used org mode, I have to be totally honest here, but I've seen like videos and and we've talked before, like I've always been intrigued by it, but I've never used it. But it kind of looks like org mode if it was designed by someone who had good design sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, because that's the thing. It's, It's command line, but it's elegant. Like it's really well done, which is rare. And that's why I thought of you, because I was like, this is the sort of shit that you do. Like you make really elegant solutions, whether they're command line or Apple script or, you know, GUI or like whatever. Like you're really thoughtful about the stuff that you build. Yeah. And w- with the help of Pandoc, it can you can export your uh, uh, markdown notes as Word documents and like the Git versioning is awesome. Like every time you add a note, it's automatically versioning and and uh, keeping repos. And your notebooks can be in different locations, so you can sync via Dropbox or whatever you want. It's nuts. the The README is like a hundred pages long. Yeah, it's pretty the well written. Insane. It is really well written, actually. It's very well written. Like. And and I think that it's I mean it's you know one person uh, primarily from what I can tell, and I don't know I just I just saw this and I was just like really really impressed I was like, you know what like well done this is awesome there there's like you know plugin support for for themes and for some other you know um, stuff like I don't know I I was excited to show this to you and I'm I'm really glad that you've played with it yeah. Do you want a, a side recommendation? I do. Um, have you seen Octotree, the plugin for Chrome and Firefox? No. 
it gives you a sidebar in any GitHub repo that gives you uh, like tree-based navigation. <gasps> so you can jump between any file in any subdirectory. Oh, I am adding this to Edge right now. Nice. Oh, yeah, it'll work on Edge too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is super handy if you're exploring a GitHub repo and just want to jump from plugin slash RuboCop YML to, to your test suite or whatever. Um, yeah, this, oh my God, this uh, NB has uh, like 50 test suites in it. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this now. I just installed that extension. That's crazy. I'm also like looking at like how big like the the, the gym file is uh -huh. even just for for the for the documentation. <laughs> <laughs> like it's actually like it's it's uh that's interesting. Um, that's cool. Yeah, the optional dependencies. Oh my god, the the tests. <laughs> right, right. But the recommended dependencies are pretty short. Bat, Pandoc, RG, which is ripgrep, uh, TIG, which is a, a Git extension, and W3M. And then there's a whole list of like also supported ones. But it's actually a pretty, considering everything it does, it, it's a pretty small dependency list. And it actually yeah. works. It, it, they're not really dependencies. They're recommended uh dependencies let's see required dependencies are just bash and git and a text editor That's, i i love it so much like well done to uh i think that the the main person who does this his name is william melody and uh big fan william like <laughs> nice nice work um yeah yeah i i guess i guess that's enough um uh, raving about it, anyone who has, you know, developed a sudden curiosity or uh, to whom this would be of interest, uh, check the show notes for a link uh, to the GitHub repo for this. It's uh, it's worth checking out, even if you want to use an amazing app like NV Ultra for your yep. notes. Uh, this is still absolutely worth seeing uh, and worth worth being in awe over. And, and I mean, it, it, conceivably, you could set like NV Ultra to be like the node app that you would use, like as your text editor in place of the other ones they have, right? Um, yes. It, it, it would take a little work because NV Ultra doesn't accept, it's not a text editor. Uh, it, it opens folders. Okay. And then edits files within folders. So you could have a notebook where NV Ultra was pointed at the same folder and you could use it to edit your notes. But you can't, uh, there's no command line like NV Ultra. this file. It opens Got it. folders. Because it's opening a folder and then you're creating the file from there. So you can't just like create a file from. That, that said, it does have a URL handler that you can invoke on uh, directly on files within any given notebook. So you could write a CLI to incorporate it. In fact, now that we've said this, I probably will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we talked last week about uh, a charming little show called Ted Lasso. We did. And we did. I believe you've finally, finally caught up with the rest of the world and finished this series. I have. And in fairness to me, because we recorded last week's episode like 
four or five days like before like it went out or whatever so it was one of those things where I had <laughs> some some other time anyway I, I watched and I think it was actually two episodes we talked about it I watched the first episode I really liked it I binge watched the whole thing Brett you could not have been more correct best show on TV uh, I think I even tweeted like that it was like the only good thing to happen in 2020 best show of the year wow like I I uh I like watched it a second time. Like it, it fills that good place hole in my heart. Yeah. 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 So, um, the overall, uh, the overall plot, I, I feel like it left a, a huge opening for a season two. Yes. Which I'm really hoping for. Uh, I don't oh, know. Oh, they've already renewed it. They've already renewed sure, it. Sure. But I'm worried about production. Uh, unless you, Unless TV shows start creating uh, sports league style bubbles, <laughs> uh, production's going to be pretty slow. There's a show. Yeah. There are a couple shows now that are like Zoom based shows. Um, I know. There's one called Staging that did not hook me after the first couple episodes. But there's another one, and I'm forgetting the name of it, and I'm forgetting what network it was on. I'll find it later. But it was basically uh, a. Soap, not a soap, it, like a sitcom, I guess, where all of the characters are connecting over Zoom and it's kind of their like quarantine, life in quarantine, which is appropriate. Like we can yeah, all totally. relate to that right now. Um, oh, no, we totally can. It's just, I don't know. It's like that was a fun episode of Modern Family when right. they did that whole thing on, you know, FaceTime. And it was fun, I think, that when they did do a Zoom thing of, of um, you know, blackish or whatever. Yeah. Like that, you know, that's fun as a one-off. I feel like it is hard to carry that as a conceit to a whole show because part of the point of television is that you have multiple angles. Uh-huh. And you know what I mean? Like even if you're doing just a typical sitcom where you have like three swing sets and four cameras, you know, you still can cut between those shots. So, And I don't know I don't about know. everyone else, but while I can heavily relate to life happening over Zoom, I really want an escape from yes. life happening over Zoom. I was going to say that's the other life thing. Life is normal. I was going to say that's the secondary thing, right? Is that like it was fun at first, maybe not fun, but you're like, oh yeah, it's just like us. And now I'm like, yeah, I don't want to be reminded of this reality anymore. So yeah, I mean that's a good point. They have renewed Ted Lasso. I have a feeling that it's been successful enough, and that um, as long as I mean, what are people going to do? Like, get I mean, as long as they're paying out their contracts, and this doesn't, if this isn't to go on like indefinitely, yeah, I don't feel like it should be at risk, especially since they film in a country that, while not doing super great, is doing better than we are in the United States. Sure. So that's at least you know kind of a heads up. I think the other thing is, I feel like they held it back because the show clearly was filmed. Before the iPhone um, 10s Max it even came out, because because of the phones they were using, they were not using like the latest phones. Yeah. So I so like the iPhone 11, they weren't using those. So I feel like so it was filmed sometime in, in 2019, but before the the new phones came out. So I felt it felt to me like maybe they decided to hold it back, knowing that okay. A, it might be another year before we can release more episodes. Sure. So, I mean, if that's the case, like, you know, they released it in August 
2020, if they're able to get back in production before August of, of 2021, then that would that would align with, with what they want to do. But yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I know we talked about it before, but I, I just I watched the whole thing. I watched it again. It's a really, really good show. And one of the I, I read some stuff about it and it was it's really interesting because you know, it was based on these these NBC commercials, which we talked about. And there's no reason why the show should have worked and should be as good as it was, because <laughs> like, you know, I, I read something that, that the compared they're like talking about how there was a sitcom and it's true. It was called Caveman based on those those Geico caveman ads. Yeah. yeah. Like so easy a caveman could do it. Like ABC actually, I believe it was ABC, maybe it was Fox, you know, commissioned a sitcom. They only aired two episodes. I think it was, it was terrible. And it was like, why would you, you know, because you're like, why would you make a TV show based on a, an ad? Like, why would you do that? And and Ted Lasso is so easily could have been that. It so easily could have been like, okay, there's kind of one-off joke thing and just there's no way that this can be sustainable. But it pivoted. It it like went to the left when you were expecting it to go in another way by making the character really earnest yeah. and good, and making the the characters really complex in ways that you didn't expect. And I don't know. It's it's one of the few bright spots that uh, that I think has happened this year. And so I thank you for introducing me to it. And uh, for any of the listeners who haven't seen it, it's definitely worth if. I mean, I, I would spend the $5 just for a month of Apple TV Plus just to binge it uh, if you can't find it other ways. But, I mean, to me, it's like shows like that. Like if Apple TV Plus can continue to have enough shows like that in the morning show and some other things, I think that they like will be able to make the case that it's worth what they're charging for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that was our new segment, uh, Christina's Must Watch TV. Yes. Do you do yes. you know? Do you, oh, first of all, uh, my filler TV show for the last week has been Frasier, like the yeah. w- the one that I watch when I just need a half hour show and then absolutely off to bed. Frasier has held up surprisingly well. It has. Like, it has. Like for a while, I was trying How I Met Your Mother. That show did not hold up. Uh, no, we were talking about that. It, right. It, it, that is problematic. Just it is altogether just, yeah. too much rape in that show. Um, but but Frasier. <laughs> It's as funny as it ever was. I'm still laughing out loud, and uh, it's it's a little bit hilarious to see all the in the coffee house all the '90s like grunge yes. <laughs> aesthetic. But no, it's still it's still stupid funny. But do you know what the most effective? This is personal opinion. The most effective ad campaign on TV right now is. Uh no. Liberty Mutual. They, they're, they're stupid ads. Like they're stupid ads. Yes. But you get this song stuck in your head. So you You remember, you remember this stupid ad, uh, that they're, they're funny. I'm not going to lie. I, I, they crack me up a little bit, but, uh, but then they make you shake your head because you laughed at something so dumb. But then the jingle is perfect. Like the most addictive jingle since like state farm. Um, uh, ha, ha, well, okay. Have you ever heard the the Selena and Barnes uh, jingle? I have not. 
okay, I guess it's just like a, a, a tri-state area thing, but there are these lawyers, um, SNL even did it, uh, they, they've, uh, since their partnership broke up, and actually one of the guys just died like in a plane crash, it was really sad, uh-huh. but they had this this as Salino and Barnes, injury attorneys, 100-888-8888. <laughs> <laughs> and and but but they like run those ads in New York like all the time and so but and, and it's but it's 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 just kind of like the Liberty thing like you're exactly right it's it's like or the State Farm ads you know like a good neighbor State Farm like it's yeah. just one of those jingles that will never uh get out of your head and like the fact that they like you know Salino and Barnes injury attorneys one hundred eight 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 and and it's just like. Well, first you of all, they got the, they got the perfect phone number. Oh yeah, no, they paid. I think because they eventually got one eight 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 eight, and they spent like they spent like a couple million dollars on it. Your ad um, campaign could be like just dial eight. Basically, I think that's what they were really kind of wanting to do. Uh, I'm gonna have a link. Uh, we'll put in the show notes. The New York Magazine wrote this incredible story about the breakup of um, the. New York's, uh, it's, it's called um, Injured, Bruised Egos, Gobs of Money, and the Bitter Feud that Took Down Salino and Barnes, New York's Absurdly Ubiquitous Accident Law Firm. And this was written, like, I don't know, a week or two before uh, one of the guys died in a, in, in a, a, a plane crash that he was, like, piloting, which is really sad. Um, but because when they announced that they were breaking up, like, New York people, like we freaked out because we were like, "Oh my God, how uh, Selena and Barnes can't break." It was, it was like when uh, uh you know, um, uh, Hofler and, and Freer Jones broke up. It was like one of those types of moments. And um, anyway, but the article in New York Mag, it's fantastic, uh, uh, highly recommended for anybody to read. Also, I will once again give the shout out to my favorite service that I have no affiliation with, although I wish I did, called Autumn which the New York Times now owns, but uh, I was a subscriber of long before that, which does long form and now some shorter form, like like news articles and from magazines and newspapers read by professional narrators. So it's uh, like you have the best like audiobook readers reading the articles and they read the um, this particular piece. And it was, it's like an hour long listen. It's really good. All right. Um, so... Awesome. Awesome. Um, yeah, we should have a, a segment on our favorite commercials because I feel like... We should. And our least favorite. I'm so sick of progressive ads. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 okay, here's the thing, though. Like, Because I've noticed this over the years. Like, the insurance industry is kind of what keeps is like sort of what props <laughs> totally. up television totally. ads, right? Yep. Like, 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 cause we're talking about Liberty. Everything we've about mentioned. State Farm. Yeah. Progressive Geico. And progressive. And farmers. Yeah. We are farmers. Don't also a great jingle. Fantastic. It, it jingle. is. It is, but it's got one too many duck does for me to ever really remember it. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. You're right. But, but it's still, <laughs> we are farmers. Yeah. But, but like, that's good. Uh, what was a what was the one uh, that had a that had may that had mayhem? Oh, um, who was that? That's Ryan. Um, uh, yeah, I love that Ryan, actor. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, Dean Winter. Dean Winter is his name. Yeah, I don't remember and, which, but it was again insurance. Yeah, uh, yeah, Dean Winter mayhem. I'm typing this and then up. Affleck. Uh, yeah, Affleck the duck. Um, Allstate was was yeah. was Dean Winter's yeah. thing for Allstate, and yeah. So and it, what's he, in your wallet? Like that was yeah. that was a great campaign. Anyway, yeah, 
Yeah, uh, but it, but it is it is it is interesting, right? Like oh oh, and Flo, we can't we can't like talk about these things without like Flo has run her course. Okay, I, fair I, enough. She's, she was amazing. I, I, she was possibly she was. the well, most iconic. Agreed. She has totally run her her course. I I could not agree with you more. But I do still have to give her a shout out because like she gave us many many years of good ads, like many. way more ads than than she ever should have. <laughs> To be totally honest, like at this point, we're, we're like 15 years in, like, okay, she's, it, it's, it's, it's bad, but it was very good for way longer than it ever should well, have been. It's to funny be that a lot of these, these campaigns are at a point where they're almost becoming meta, like they are referencing how old their characters are, the Aflac duck, the, the Geico gecko, uh, flow, uh, the what's in your wallet guy, like. They're making references to their own uh, kind of ubiquity in their commercials now. And very few of them are really like Progressive is trying to expand their cast, but it's not they're not coming up with another flow. It's not happening yet. Yeah, no, I, I think that's interesting. And I wonder what. Well, I, do I don't like, know. Part of go ahead. Sorry. No, go on. I was going to say, I do like the new AT&T girl. I like the new AT&T girl as well. She's really good. She's been like the first person in a long time that's been a thing. Although the way that she gets harassed online is disturbing. Uh, she She's not online, to be clear, which is incredibly smart of her. <laughs> like, stay off the internet, AT&T girl. Like, do not go online. But no, but I like her quite a bit. No, but I was thinking... Like, why are people not doing this? And I have to think it's the same reason why we keep seeing the same franchises rebooted over and over again, and we don't really see much original content. I think that uh, creatives are just really risk-averse. And I can understand it to some degree, although I don't agree with it, like with movies and television, especially as the economics of those things become like the pressure becomes so high that you're like, okay, I have to have this return. I have to do this and that. So like, just go with the known quantity rather than trying something new that could fail. But with advertisements, you would think that that would give you some slight amount of, of more like leeway to at least experiment. But I guess not. I guess they're going, they're dealing with the same kind of struggles. And so you just see that the same campaigns continuing on and on. But I would like to see new blood you know happening yeah because because we know we have good creative people out there like people are, are doing funny shit all the time but this is what but, i love about the emu and the liberty ads is it is it's a brand new fresh campaign granted they're not totally. as old as well i don't know how old liberty is but i don't recall seeing their ads previously um, yeah well yeah well that that's a good point they um theirs are definitely much more like uh, fresh right now and they've had that that theme for a long time but this is like a totally different approach for them like this seemed I would I would need to research this because I don't want to say definitively but I feel like whatever ad agency they work on with this campaign and going back to however long they've been working with them is distinctly different than whoever was handling their ads beforehand yeah well and they've branded yellow to the point where when I see yellow in my head it goes liberty 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 Liberty, um, like in the in the commercials, there's just everything is yellow to to an extent that it's almost so ubiquitous you don't notice it. But like the car will be yellow, the hat will be yellow, the they'll be yellow in the uh, street crosswalk, and just 
and then it ends with a solid yellow screen. And even the even the ones that they shoot on the like pier in New York, it, it it's everything in your memory becomes yellow, and that is that's like H and R Block green. Like, yeah, totally. To really it, own a color like that is amazing. Or, or, or totally, or, or uh, magenta, T-Mobile magenta. Mm-hmm, totally. Which they have trademarked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, and now, now you sing yellow, all like in, uh, I just have the Coldplay song uh, in my head. <laughs> it's all yellow. Exactly. Actually, that would be, see, they, they should license that. They should like, well, they wouldn't, pro- actually, you know what? Coldplay might license that to them. They might. They might be like, yeah, we'll take the money. But if, but if Coldplay wouldn't, they could get a cover. If they ever do a documentary on the P-tapes for Trump, <laughs> I know the perfect soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and actually that, I think Chris, uh, Chris Martin would totally be like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yep, that's, that's fair use. <laughs> yeah, I, think that, I, th- I think he'd be like, oh, yeah, I will, I will absolutely let you license this. No problem. So, I'll waive my fee. So, speaking of TV, but without commercials. Yes. Uh, HBO has a series called Raised by Wolves. Okay. And I know you haven't seen it yet. No, I haven't, but you told me you were going to tell me about it. But it is some good sci-fi. It's, uh, the premise is uh, it's, it's the end of the world. Uh, it's a war. The, the Earth has devolved into a war between the theists and the atheists. Uh, the division is is religious, and the atheists, the theists, send off an ark uh, to find a new world that they can settle and and uh, escape the quickly uh, devolving hellscape of Earth. And it's going to take a long time because it's huge and full of people and can only go so fast. the The atheists take two androids and like eight embryos and put them in a small fast shuttlecraft and shoot it off to this planet uh, with the intention of the androids being the parents and raising these eight human embryos and recreating the human race from these embryos. And so the story is about uh, the, well, that's what the story is about. It's about these two androids doing their best to uh, recreate humanity. Meanwhile, the theists do show up. They eventually make it to this planet. And uh, it is bizarre. It is not a a plot that has been beaten to death uh, as far as uh, apocalyptic uh, themes go. And it is... Yeah, no, it kept me it kept me hooked the whole time. It's definitely worth a watch. Okay, I will watch it. Um, I'm looking this up right now. Uh, Ridley Scott actually directed the first two episodes, which makes which, perfect sense when you see it. Totally, and that's actually really impressive that they were able to get him for because yeah. this is an HBO Max show, which is not the same as an HBO yes, show. Correct. So I'm actually impressed that Ridley Scott would direct like the two episodes of an HBO Max show, and then it stars the guy from Vikings who is super hot. So, um, cool. All right. I will, I will watch this, but that sounds good actually. Oh, the, yeah. The, the leader of the, uh, theist group, uh, or who becomes the leader is the guy from Vikings. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marcus, um, or or Caleb or whatever. Yeah. Um, Whatever. 
I don't know, I'm just reading off the Wikipedia page right now. But I'm trying not to read too much either because, you know, Wikipedia will spoil every freaking detail for you. Um, okay, so I will watch that. Uh, I, I like the the idea of that. The Vow uh, ended last week. And oh, I didn't catch the last episode yet. It's really good. But here's the best part. We're going to get more. Oh, sweet. I mean, you're going to have a also, book too. Also, that's scary that there's more to tell, but yeah, well, that's the thing. I guess that what happened is that they were filming people. I get the sentencing and I guess they have some stuff, you know, like there it ends and then like they have a preview, I guess, for coming in 2021 where they have like a jailhouse phone call with Keith. Yeah. And I just, it was like after I watched like this really emotional ending, I was just like, holy, sh I was excited. I was like, holy shit, there's more. Um, they're saying like, you know, part two or something like that. And uh, so that's that's exciting. Um, so that'll be coming sometime in 2021. Did uh, you... uh, sorry, go on. No, you go ahead because I'm going to. I was done. Uh, did you watch The Staircase? Yes, I loved The Staircase. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm. it's one of those shows, if, if anyone hasn't seen it and you were a fan of like making a murderer. It's the OG of that. Yeah. It's like the OG serial. It actually came out uh, Channel 4 in, in, in the UK, I believe, and it was IFC in the United States did it in 2004, I believe, which was when I first saw it. And then Netflix ended up buying the rights and producing additional episodes. Yeah. But the case is from 2001. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's a Scott Peterson, but a different... Or, or, uh, his first name isn't Scott, but his last name is Peterson. But it's a, you know not related to Scott Peterson. That was the the case that took over everybody's imagination. But it, yeah, it's like the OG serial or making of a murder. Sorry, go on. It's frustrating in that way that like every episode, which is true of all of the like serial and making a murder, it, every episode flips your your Perception. guess. You're like, oh, he totally did it. Oh no, there's no way he could have done it. Oh no, I think he did do it. And it's this. Like, I, it's the kind of thing that makes me want to just read the ending. Like, I get tired of being flipped back and forth, but at the same time, it's entertaining and, and it makes for a good serial production. Yeah, no, totally. Well, so the interesting thing with this one, because uh, Michael Peterson was the guy. Um, and, and what was interesting is that it, it, was, a, it was a French television miniseries. Uh, it was, although it might have been on Channel Four in the U.S., but it was it was made by by a French uh, uh, director who documented the trial, and then IFC bought it in the U.S. and that was that was when I first saw it. So I was in college when I first saw it, and I was really taken with it because exactly as you said, like you don't know what to believe. And what's also interesting is in the case, and it's interesting to see because you know it took place about twenty years ago at this point. How differently, um, like some of the prejudices and the arguments that the prosecution made about him. About and how it, his bisexuality was like yes. a criminal point. About, exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, which even then I remember being enraged and like incensed. I remember like watching this as like, you know, like a sophomore in college and being like really angry that this was something that happened and that this was like on the record and was like part of the discourse and, and was completely fine by this, you know, district attorney. And I believe that, that it was like the main DA who prosecuted the case. Um, but now I, I do wonder even in the, the South, because I think this was like in, in North Carolina or something, I do wonder if this would have been this sort of thing, like where, if they would have been that willing to um 
go that hard on, you know, he's bisexual, therefore he must have killed his wife. Right. Because she she must not have been able she must not have been able to deal with that aspect of his personality, even though there was no proof that he'd had any sort of affairs or that she had problems with that or was unaware of it or or any of that. You know, it, like it, it it's it's standing as, as motive was was really um grotesque and homophobic yeah and uh, which you know to me initially also just you know the the police and and i will i will say this the the one thing that is that you have to note when you talk about the staircase is that the filmmakers although they tried to be he tried to be objective he also had full access to the defense attorney and to the defendant and to his family and did craft it in a way that would make you ask the question but ultimately, the director was very sympathetic to the defendant, like very sympathetic. And so that's really the perspective that you see as much doubt as he tries to, to bring in from other areas. This isn't going to, it, it is still going to kind of sway you another thing because it's like, OK, who do you have access to? Who's going to talk to you? Who's, yeah. Who are you embedded with? Right? right. So that has kind of changed stuff. But um, yeah, that when Serial came out in 2013 or 2014 or whatever year it was, that Serial came out, uh, it was one of those things that um, I kept telling people because everybody was obsessed with Serial and I was like, you have to watch The Staircase. You have to watch The Staircase. And I don't even think it was available for streaming then. And then they finally did like another um, kind of update. Um, and then they later developed new episodes for Netflix after Netflix bought all the rights. Uh, but I believe I even uh, subscribed to like Sundance or something, Sundance Now or something originally so I could get The Staircase uh, on streaming, although I believe I have a DVD set somewhere. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but that's that's good stuff. But I, I agree with you. Sometimes you're just like, all right, can you just tell me what happened? Like, can you just cut to the end? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the the journey, you know. The journey, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I think the hard thing with stuff like uh, the, the staircase is a little bit easier because that has been, like, adjudicated and and the things that happened have happened and and I don't want to like ruin it for anybody although you can obviously look it up on, on Wikipedia because it's all public record and whatnot but you know that's all been adjudicated whereas making of a murderer and um, um, Adan uh, Saeed you know from serial that was also a really good uh, HBO like two part two or three part series um, about him like there are these ambiguous questions in your mind that are not really resolved. And the ultimate resolution of did he or did he not do it is not answered because, you know, uh, he's going to he, he still claims that he didn't unless something like that changes. You know what I mean? But at least like the, the legal aspect has been um, uh, resolved, whereas some of those other cases, I think the fact that they aren't like leaves not only are there these open questions, but also if appeals are pending or whatever, like you have to like wait for time. And sometimes the, the trials, you know, the trials, the documentaries don't catch up with that stuff. Yeah. Which is another reason actually why the staircase is interesting because the filmmaker came back a decade later and shot more stuff to add updates because interesting things that happened on appeal. Sure. Uh, which uh, I think, you know, that was, that that was it's certainly more common now, but it, it wasn't common then for that type of show. I mean, especially something that was like a French miniseries that I believe they did air it on uh, like ABC or something at one point, like maybe edited things. But it was 
it primarily aired in the U.S. on an obscure cable channel that was that's at least at that time IFC might be part of Basic Cable now, but it was it wasn't part of Basic Cable. It wasn't part of Extended Cable. It was like you had to get premium cable. Like right. You had to like like you know what I mean? Like base like you know premium cable might include HBO. You had to like pay for the other tier to get IFC. So very few people. It was like me and a few of my friends uh, and like a handful of other people out there probably watched Didn't this thing in 2004. AMC used to be that way too. I remember yeah. having a lot of trouble getting AMC in the past. Yeah, and uh, fun fact, AMC, uh, IFC, Sundance, uh, all the same uh, company. Yeah, that makes sense. All the Cs. All so, the Cs. Um, we, have, we have more TV we can talk about, but uh, we're coming up to time, so I'm moving some topics to, uh, to next week, including, okay. including Queen's Gambit, which if you haven't watched, you should check out. Um, okay. But... We spoke about Casey Nightfang's crazy ass keyboard a couple weeks yes, we ago. Did. And we both assumed because the layout wasn't QWERTY that it must be Dvorak. That's and correct. We were both wrong. Uh, okay. We were we were informed in Discord uh, that the layout is actually called the one, T H E dash one. And it is a layout designed to uh, put the most commonly used letters and letter combinations uh, closer to the home row. So the word the, which is the most common word in the English language, and I will note this is very specific to English, um, but the is is the home row. Uh, first three fingers type the, and then everything else is kind of designed around that. Uh, it is Interesting. Not, it is not a layout that you will find, I, I don't think, a, a ready-made keyboard for. So this is very much a layout for people hacking their own keyboards. And as another side note, we talked extensively about the, uh, the, the kind of dials that he had at the pinky location. Yes. The location was picked because there were only really two options uh, for the location on the keyboard that he was building. And uh, he may have made uh, other choices given the, uh, the option, but that's, that's, that was the, uh, the most uh, beneficial of the choices that they had. Very, very nice. Um, that's okay. That makes sense. So he didn't have a lot of options. He had to do that. And then the one keyboard, like custom layout, well, Casey, like hardcore props to you for not just learning like a different layout, but what it sounds like a non-standardized, very customized layout that will not exist unless you customize it purposely, like in your settings. Like this isn't going to be one of those things where you can go onto someone else's system and very right. easily change the layout to like Dvorak exists like as a as a layout option they or, or ANSI though, or whatever. They say though that they have no trouble switching back to QWERTY. Even after learning this this completely custom layout, okay, well, which okay. is which is impressive in and of itself. I was gonna say I'm really impressed by that, and I would like to think that I would have that ability <laughs> because I will say this: the the end of this is nothing in comparison to that. When I go on a Windows machine, I am at this point able to at least like use control in place of command yeah uh instinctively um and like instinctually like i i can do that but 
I do still like if I use a, a an ANSI keyboard or whatever the 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 you know um, uh, internationally out it is. ISO, yeah. ISO, ISO there you go. Uh, that fucks me up. So I don't. I would like to think that I would be able to adjust. <laughs> I kind of doubt it. I mean. Does it make maybe, you curious maybe, to try? Does it make you curious honestly, to, it does. to sit down with a completely foreign keyboard layout, run a few completely. like typing tutor programs until you get the hang of it, and then try switching around? Yes. It does. Yes, it, it does. It does make me curious. Uh, if it my, makes me really if my curious. my brain has room for that. But I use so many keyboard shortcuts. Like when I See, design that's, that's a keyboard, I always have to set the layout of the, the little command cluster, uh, like function, control, option, and command. I have to change whatever keyboard I'm working on so that those match what you would find on like the original Mac keyboard layout. I always have to, because all of my kind of chords, all of the uh, multiple uh, command keys or modifier keys and a letter, all of those chords that I've taught myself require those keys to be in the location they're in. Otherwise, it is totally hunt and pack. I have to look down at the keyboard and it takes multiple hands to hit, you know, command control option S. Uh, I don't do well with uh, with moving even the modifier keys. I don't even know if I'd be able to switch to a Windows machine and, and substitute control without at least moving it under my thumb. Yeah, no, I mean, I th- and honestly, that's what I often do is that I swap like or I've done that before anyways. I've, I've, I've like moved where the control key is. Um, that creates its own set of problems, but uh, there's a program called Auto Hotkey, which yeah. is pretty remarkable. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of Keyboard Maestro, to be honest. Yep, it's kind totally. of a mashup of key, It's like Keyboard Maestro meets... Carabiner. Uh, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, I just pasted into our... Because uh, we're going to talk about this next week because it will arrive by then. But I ordered my friend Victoria at Gizmodo reviewed a mechanical keyboard called the Keychron, which uh, apparently this was like the most funded or one of theirs was like the most funded Kickstarter keyboard ever. Uh, they're Chinese made, but apparently they're very good quality. This is, I got the Keychron K2 version two, which, and I got the one that is um, hot swappable, meaning that you can actually swap out the switches if you don't like their brand of switches. Uh, and it is Bluetooth. It is also wired and it has Mac keys and a um, function row. Yeah, and a function row. So it's it's like it might be like sixty. It might be like seventy percent. I'm not sure, but it, it's small. So it's not like the the sixty percent size, which we're gonna talk about this more in depth and like our thoughts on that. That's too small for me. I can't deal with that. Um, I, I need arrow keys to be totally honest, and I don't like to. I don't want to substitute my arrow keys some other place. I know some people love it. I. Do not think I could do it. I would love your thoughts on that. That's actually but, that's actually a down. Like I almost ordered this keyboard, and then I'm like, oh, but it has arrow keys. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Okay, so so if you looked at the K4, that were no, the K4 is bigger. They they have other mo- options. It might be like the the the, the K6. Um, let me see. No, the, the K6 also has arrow keys, but they have some <laughs> models that don't. So there are uh, they they have a, they have a, they have a lot of different. Um, option uh keyboards but i i ordered one of these victoria really liked it it was cheap enough that i was like you know what um because mechanical keyboards can be can get really really expensive people have given this one good reviews so i'm uh i'm excited to to try it out and see 
um, what I think about it. And so I'll have a review next episode. Are they... I think it, it only shows that one of the one of the K's is hot swappable. Only only the K two. Uh yeah, only the K two actually I think from all future versions are going to be a hot swappable. Okay. So I don't know which ones they have now. Their Reddit is actually really responsive, as is apparently their Facebook group, but they they're really responsive in their Reddit and they told people that their all their future models will be hot swappable. Um, and so like the, the K3, which is available for pre-order, I believe that that is automatically hot swappable. Um, yeah, cause yeah, that, that one is just, it's basically the, the same number of keys, but it's, it's a slim line. Um, and that one, like you can get the low profile Keychron optical, which is hot swappable, uh, or you could get one with their Gatrion mechanical, um, yeah. you know, switches. Gatoron. Uh, Gatoron, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, clearly I, I am not like into the whole keyboard thing, but I'm trying. And yeah, uh, one, well, of the, one, of the, one of the things I got too, I think you'll appreciate this. I got these keycaps because they make this retro Mac uh, keycap set. Nice. That is like with the, the correct, you know, font mm -hmm. and stuff. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna use those, which will be fun. All right, well, when you get this keyboard, we will discuss in more depth and, and I will explain my aversion to arrow keys and uh, it's funny to me that on the uh, the images they have the the space bar is printed. It has a just a horizontal line on it, where, like where you would put the like key uh, letter instead of a letter. It just has a space. <laughs> that's that's cute. Um, yeah. Yes, I look forward to and and I am I'm tempted. Like this looks like a great keyboard, and I'm tempted to buy one. I'm gonna keep watching it for a while. Uh, the RGB backlight is sold out right now, so I might wait for that because I've never owned an RGB backlit keyboard. And as much as I think it would annoy me to death, um, I'm very curious to know uh, what I would do with uh, with multiple colors in a backlight. Yeah, no, that was kind of my thought too. Um... I, uh, I I got the RGB backlight aluminum one, and uh, although the white backlight looks good too, so yeah, I'm I'm curious to play with that. And I got the I got the brown switches. Um, that one is sold out right now, but they have the red and the blue ones are available. Yeah, but, I, I would choose blue. My current keyboard is brown switches, and I I just I wish they were clickier, which I never would have said before. Yeah, that was kind of my concern is that's why I got the hot swappable one, too, because yeah. I was like, I don't know how good these switches will be. Yeah. And I do have like some really nice switches that I could, you know, replace. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I'm excited. But uh, the, the review has been good. And people who had the first generation one really, really liked it. And people the reviews have been really positive. So we'll see. But it uh, yeah, it, it arrives later today. So I'm excited about it. So if we were going to make a show that was for. Uh, hardcore command line uh, keyboard using nerds who also love television. We nailed it. We hit that Ooh. Venn diagram, <laughs> dude. Perfectly. Like perfectly dead ass center, like perfect place in the middle, like right there. All 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 hundred people that that applies to are going to be super psyched about this episode. Honestly, honestly, and you know what? But those hundred people, Brett, are our people. <laughs> Truly. And if they're not in the Discord, they should be. Yes, 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 yes. And and we'd love love your thoughts in the Discord too. Like give give us more uh, recommendations of keyboards or other stuff. 
Um, I'm always looking to waste money on things. Although, you'll be proud of me, Brett. I did not spend $300 on a Taylor Swift guitar. I am, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if proud of you is the word. I mean, hero, hero might be a strong word, <laughs> but, but congratulations on your restraint. Yeah, no, here's the thing. If it had been a good guitar, <laughs> I, I would have, well, you know, just as the novelty, but it was like a really crappy, it's like a $150 guitar that basically has a sticker on it, like a decal. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, no. Do you play guitar? No. no. Then, then the restraint is less admirable. If you played guitar <laughs> and you resisted buying a guitar, that would be one thing. But if you but, don't but, even play guitar... And you resisted buying a guitar unless you're unless you were like, you know what? I want to learn guitar, but I only want to learn on something endorsed well, by Taylor Swift. See, and that, so that was kind of a thing. So Grant is taking guitar lessons right now. And I've spent um, pandemic by being bad with my money, by buying lots of shoes and streetwear and gadgets. And he's been buying guitars. And although I think he's stopped now because we don't have room for them anymore, like I think we have like 10 of them now. We have too many. So he's been taking guitar lessons. Um, and I've kind of been like, I, I, I would like to play guitar. Uh, may, maybe this would be something that would encourage me. Uh, and then I looked at it and I was like, no. And, and also, <laughs> like, she worked with a, a much better, like, real guitar company to make, like, a, a three-quarter, like, size kind of, like, baby guitar, like, for this, you know, it, from the, the the Taylor Guitar Company or whatever, which which she's used for years, which is yeah. apparently very high quality, and you can get mm -hmm. one of those for like three hundred and seventy dollars, versus this really cheap like my first guitar kind of thing that's <laughs> literally it's it's the same as like their hundred and fifty dollar version, but there's like a vinyl decal like all over the cover that looks like the album artwork. Like it's it's it, it was one of those things I was like I piss money away, but this just strikes me as cheap. And it doesn't even look good enough to be like, okay, if I didn't play this and I just hung this somewhere, I was like, but this doesn't look that cool. Like, so anyway, I was proud of myself though, because you know what? Six weeks ago, I was in the place where I was just like, I'm so stressed out by everything. I'm just going <laughs> to buy this for the temporary, you know, endorphins that it will give me. But now I feel like I'm in a healthier place and I, I didn't do that. So I just flipped the coin in in Discord, and it said we're not talking about Taylor Swift this week. Which uh, ah. which Dean Johnson, one of our uh, one of our listeners who does not appreciate our Taylor Swift uh, sorry Dean our tangents, he will he will appreciate uh, that we somehow managed to both talk about Taylor Swift, but and not. avoid talking about Taylor Swift. We did, honestly. It was it was like a very, very brief aside. It was like 90 seconds. Yeah. You're welcome, Dean. Um, all right. Well, that's that's our show for the week, folks. That's it. That's it. Uh, all right, Brett. Well, get some sleep, buddy. You too. The system is going down low.